0: Good evening, everyone. This is Crystal from the Spooky Barber Babes, and tonight kicks off our week-long Halloween specials. Tonight, we're gonna talk about how a successful hairstylist got caught up in a twisted love mess, and how his life was ended on Halloween night. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. So this evening, I bring to you the story of Peter Fabiano, a Los Angeles hairstylist who, on Halloween night of 1957, was murdered by a sick, twisted lover, but not a lover of his own. Around 11 p.m. on Halloween night, there was a knock on the Fabiano's door. He assumed it was a late-night trick-or-treater just because, you know, some people were still out. And again, this was back in the 50s, so I'm pretty sure things were a little less uh, tightly restricted. He got out of bed where he left his wife, Betty, to go answer the door and give the late trader some candy. Soon after he answered the door, he was met at the, with a woman holding a gun in a paper bag, All his wife heard was a deep voice and a loud popping sound that woke up their daughter, Judy. Betty and Judy found Peter lying in a pool of his own blood on the floor at the doorway. Judy ran to her neighbor's house, who was a police officer, and he called Valley Police. Peter was taken to Valley Sun Hospital, where he was pronounced dead from a gunshot wound to the chest. Basically stating, he got shot and bled out before he even made it to the hospital. Cops noticed that there was nothing stolen from the home besides the fact, you know, noting the fact that they owned two successful hair salons, but yet nothing was stolen. No tech like no furniture, no TV, no money, nothing was stolen from the house. But they also noticed that there was not a gun shell casing um, anywhere to be found. The only witness to this whole situation was a teenage boy. Um, His name wasn't given out. um, And all he could really tell police was that he saw a a car speeding away from the scene. Um, He couldn't really give them anything, like no details. I mean, it, it was late. Um, Police did believe that this could have been in connection to a gang-related hit, because that's what it kind of looked like. Um, But they did eventually rule that out because, legit, he only had one charge against him back in 1948 for bookmaking. Other than that, the hairdresser had zero connections with any crime syndicate. Now let's get into a little bit about how him and his wife Betty met. Betty is a former single mother of two, and she met Peter in the 1940s after her first marriage ended in divorce. They started their marriage in, eh, some reports say it was the late 40s, early 50s, but I did find a date that Betty had said that she had married Peter in 1954. Five, and they lived in New York before moving to LA the year prior to Peter's death. When questioned about the events from Halloween night, Betty said she thought she heard two people at the front door, two men, one of which she, she thought was pretending to be a female. When asked if he had any enemies, Betty gave them one name and one name only, and that was Joanne Rabble. Now, I say Joanne, but I'm pretty sure it's Joan. Don't mind me. (laughs) Joan was born in 1917 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She had a very, very good lucrative career as a writer and a photographer, and she traveled all over the Americas, sailing everywhere she wanted to go. Um, But in 1957, early 1957, she went to Peter Fabiano's salon looking for work after her divorce. Um, Betty and Joan became good friends, like best of friends. And they Fabiano family pretty much welcomed her and like, hey, welcome. This is, you know, this is my family. You're part of our family now. Congrats. Um, but let's face it, Joan wanted more. Um, as the couple got closer, when... Betty needed a place to stay because her marriage to Peter wasn't I wouldn't say it wasn't ideal. They were just they were having marital issues, like any couple. But instead of Betty, you know, sticking around and trying to work things out, she decided, nope, I am done. She got up, she packed up herself, and she moved in with Joan. Um Peter, however, did not like the how close the two had become and It was later described with the LA Times that their relationship, Joan and Betty's, was considered quote-unquote abnormal, which back in the 1950s, they didn't like to spell out uh, homosexual, but that's kind of what abnormal had meant. Um, However, later Betty did decide to work things out with her husband Peter because she wanted to save her marriage. I mean... Can you blame her? That's her, her husband, the, you know, the man that's taken care of, you know, not just her, but her two children as well. Um, she did confess to him about the affair, and they ended up reconciling with Betty agreeing to not see Joan again. In that same year, Joan met Goldina Pizer, who was a medical secretary, also divorced. Um, And the two would spend their free time together drinking coffee and gossiping, you know, the normal thing that women did back in the day. Um, And I mean, I hate to say, I think we still kind of keep that tradition as women where we, you know, we go with our friends, we have a drink or two or go get coffee or whatnot. And we like to kind of banter back and forth a little bit about our lives. Um, But Joan just went off apparently, constantly talking about the quote unquote evil Peter Fabiano and expressing to Goldine that her boss was this evil person, he was super mean, he was horrible. Um, and basically, she was just trying to persuade Goldine that this man was this horrible person, even though, mind you, he gave her a job pretty much brought her into his family he was a horrible person um is she mainly settled this because she was jealous the fact that betty had decided to go back to her husband and work things out so she's concocting a plan to go hey if i can't have her well guess what neither can you joan was basically heartbroken and instead of you know just moving on to the next person which would be Goldine because Goldine adored her and you could clearly tell would do anything for her to make her happy. Nope, she wanted revenge, so she hatched a plan using poor Goldine, who legit was, Yes, yes, Joan, I'll do what you say, Joan. Uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> um. She basically seduced Goldine just like she did Betty and eventually convinced Goldine to murder Peter. On September 21st of 1957, Goldine bought a 38 Smith & Wesson from a shop in Pasadena where she told them she wanted the gun for personal protection. Now, I did find some other details that the gun was actually purchased by Joan, um, but given to Goldine to hold on to until Halloween night, and that the gun had only two bullets in it. They borrowed a car from one of Joan's friends, who was later identified as Margaret Barrett, who... Clearly had no idea her car was getting gonna be used in a murder. Um and they drove and waited outside the Fabiano home until all the lights were out. Now later on when Golding is arrested, she does admit to the cops that Joan basically hashed this entire plan. Um, and that Joan had brought over a pair, some blue jeans, khaki jackets, hats, eye masks, makeup, and red gloves. Goldine then approached the home wearing said get up and committed the murder. Um, she said she had rang the doorbell. And when there wasn't a response the first time, she rang it again. And by the time the door opened, she just banged. As soon as it opened, gun up, both hands, trigger, pull, goodbye. Um, after the shooting, Joan drove to Margaret Barrett's home, whom, you know, again, she borrowed the car from. Joan told Goldine before they were walking their separate ways back to their homes, forget you ever saw me. I'm sorry, what? Is this this woman just committed murder for you and you're just going to be like, nope, forget you know me. Just like, forget that. I don't exist to you anymore. You served your purpose. I would be pissed. (laughs) Goldine then hid the gun in a storage locker at a Los Angeles Bullock Department store. Um, And an anonymous tip actually led them to the gun, which then led them to Goldine about two weeks later. Now, this anonymous tip, that could have been a worker... But I'm starting to think it's might have been Goldine that gave up the anonymous tip. Um, Goldine was arrested at her Hollywood home, where she told police, "It's a relief to get it off my mind." So I'm thinking, truth be told, like after Joan just kind of was like, "Yeah, don't I don't exist to you anymore. Like, don't forget about me. Forget we even met." I'm thinking it weighed more heavily on Goldine, where she was like what did I just do? And I think she was just relieved, honestly, to just get arrested. Like, okay, yeah, she found out. Yes, I did it. Da da da. Um, Joan was also arrested. And the women had to have psychiatric evaluations done. Because in the 1950s, not only was being homosexual illegal, but apparently it also was a mental health issue. And it they needed to make sure that they were uh, competent enough to stand trial. Which... I'm sorry, how is you know being gay a mental disorder? like that mindset I'm so glad we've gotten so far away from that. it's it's ridiculous. Um, they a, a psychiatrist that uh, was working with Goldine said she only had one thought and that was she was saving her friend Joan from an evil person doesn't matter if it was right or wrong she was saving joan and and that's mine that's all she that's all that mattered to her when the trial started however both women pled not guilty but they did later change their pleas on march 11th 1958 rather than face the trial and the jury they pled guilty Goldine pleaded insanity and claimed that she was just easily influenced by Joan. She, now, she showed honest remorse. Like, she was crying. She was very upset. Um, I think she may have had a bit of a mental breakdown um, just by all the different things I was reading. I feel bad for Goldine. I mean,. She kind of seems like a patsy, like, oh, you're so innocent. Let me corrupt you and use you to my gains. Joan, however, refused to comment during the hearing. She apparently had this stony-faced look with this twisted smile the whole entire time. Like, as they were reading everything off, nope, nope, nope. Um, both women were charged with second degree murder and sentenced to five years to life in prison. Goldine Pizer was released and stayed in Los Angeles until she passed in 1998 at the age of 83. Um, now it doesn't, I, everywhere I looked, I couldn't find any information about where she, you know, when she was released, what jail, what prison that they went to. None of that. I couldn't, I couldn't find anything of that. Um, as for Joan Rabel, cannot find anything. I looked up obituaries to see if I could find something. Nothing. I looked up um, death records. I looked up prison records. I couldn't find anything. Um, so I'm wondering if maybe she had changed her name when she got out of jail or what have you. But I, I there's nothing. I know nothing. I'm assuming that she probably died in the 90s as well um, because I don't know. I'm just assuming because Goldine died in the '90s, and Goldine was, uh, I want to say, four years older than Joan. Um, but Betty Fabiano, however, she sold both beauty businesses, and in 1999, Betty had passed away in Palm Desert, California. Um, as far as anyone knows, she she wasn't even bothered to be tried or consorted with of like oh did you have a hand in this there was, there was nothing like that on her end um but i did find out that she however did not ever remarry um yeah i mean that that's kind of it it sucks that you know she made one mistake by dating this woman and And this woman just literally turned into an obsession that she – I don't think she knew Joan was going to be like that. You know, I thought maybe, like, reading it, you're just like, okay, there's no way that this person is stable. Like, you can't tell me that Joan uh, didn't show these kind of things moving forward – like, moving forward in the relationship with Betty – or even Goldine, you can't tell me that neither one of these women saw like red flags with her. I mean, Betty, maybe that may be why she went back to her husband, but Goldine, I don't think she saw them, which is sad. But you know, at the end of the day, at least, you know, they went to jail, they got time for it, and it, it just sucks that you know Goldine had to get time for pretty much being a pawn in somebody else's chess game. And it sucks that somebody had to lose their life because of someone's jealous rage. That is just, it's sad. Well, that's it for tonight. Let me know on the community tab on Spotify, if you're listening on Spotify, what you thought. Um, if you're listening on anything else, go ahead and head over to our Instagram and follow our post f- regarding this case is up and ready to be viewed. Um, so just go ahead and leave a comment there and let me know what you think. Um, I would love to hear everyone's opinions about this. Um, and yeah. So tonight marks episode one of our Halloween special. Um, tomorrow night will be a little bit of a shorter uh, episode. And it is going to be on the Yoshihiro Hatori murder Um, and let's just say that one really hurts my soul reading into it. And it's really sad about, you know, what happens to this poor kid, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. So as always, thanks for listening. Give us a like and a follow and a subscribe on wherever you listen or watch and have a good night or a good day or just... (laughs) enjoy whatever you're doing. See you next time.